Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading The Rainbow Garden by Patricia Sanjan with permission of Moody Publishing Company. And we are reading Chapter 20, The Rescue. Well, I'll be, said the man as we stared at each other by the eerie light of the lantern. Seems as though I can't shake you off, doesn't it? And what are you doing here? I could not speak at first. I was so terrified. With this the answer to my prayer? Had I had been left to the mercy of this dreadful thief, I could only gaze up at him, my body rigid with fear. Perhaps he understood how I felt, for he spoke again quite gently, and the wild look seemed to fade away. Now, now, he said, there's no need to look like that. I'm not going to hurt you. You're hurt already, aren't you? Yes, I whispered between dry lips. I think, I think I've broken my leg. Is that so, he said, kneeling down beside me and scanning me again with the lantern. Well, I'm going to carry you into my house, and then you can tell me what you're doing here. I screamed with pain as he lifted me up out of the stream and clung to him desperately. He smelled of beer, and the weight of me seemed to exhaust him, for he breathed heavily as he plodded back to the ruin. He left his lantern outside, but I felt myself being lured very gently onto a mattress and it was not pitch dark, for some ashes still glowed red in the stone fireplace. He left me and returned in a moment with a lantern. His face looked white and weary, and he sat for a moment at the bottom of the mattress, holding his head in his hands, and then he turned around and stared at me again. Well, he said at last, what do you think you're doing spying on me like that? I wasn't spying, I whispered pleadingly. I, I didn't know you lived here. I got lost in the mist and I fell over in the quarry. You were following me, said the man, you and that boy up on the moor. I saw, saw you before you saw me. And the boy followed me right up to the pub. I was silent for I had nothing to say. I just lay there wondering if he would kill me. A wave of anger suddenly passed through him. I could do away with you right here now if I liked, he said, shaking his fist at me. And then, seeing my terror, his anger seemed to pass as quickly as it had come. But you needn't be frightened. I'm not going to hurt you at all. I had a little girl myself once. She turned out bad, and God only knows where she is now. But she was an innocent little thing like you once. Now I suppose you've lost. Every policeman in the district is out in the mountains looking for you. Got me into a pretty fix, haven't you? He sat staring into space as though trying to make up his mind what to do. If you could go and get Mr. Owen from the Davies farm, I floundered at last. He'd take me home. I promise I'll never, never tell. No one will ever know I knew you. Oh, that boy's seen to that, said the man flatly. I watched him and that parson chap go up to the police station together. I thought I'd be safe here one more night. It's too dark for the get getaway now. Besides, I've nowhere, I nowhere to go away to. I finished down I'm finished, down and out. And I'd better I'm better off in prison with a bad when the bad weather comes. So here goes. He rose to his feet but still seemed uncertain what to do next. He made sure I was comfortable as possible. So long, he said, put in a good word for me when I'm taken. Remember I did my best for you, and then he was gone. The pain in my leg was dreadful. I lay in the dark, shiny in the tiny glowing patch of ashes. I was not afraid of this man any longer, for if he was a thief, he was a kind thief, and I did not want him to go to prison. But I realized that by saving me, he was giving himself up, and I felt terribly sorry about it. 
I must have laid for a long time, half dozing. A storm had blown up, and fortunately the corner in which I lay was roofed over and dry, but the wind howled through the spaces in the wall. I was first shivering and then burning, and then then very sure I were not very sure where I was. I was parched with thirst and lost in great blackness. I had somehow forgotten about Jesus, but he was still there, and I realized that not for one minute had I been alone. The rain was still beating down, and the night was pitch black, but the love of God shone around me like light. Fullness of joy, I whispered to myself. I'm not afraid anymore, and I believe someone's coming. I strained my ears to listen, and above the rain and the rushing water, I could hear a man's voices, men's voices, and the next moment I saw the steady glow of a storm lantern through a window gate. The old door creaked, and the room was aglow with lantern light, and there was Mr. Owen, looking almost as ill and haggard as the man who followed him. Elaine, my poor little girl, he cried, kneeling down beside me. Thank God I found you. Are you hurt? Can you tell me? I nodded. My leg, I murmured, and I'm thirsty. Please, may I have a drink of water? He had already pulled a knapsack off of his back containing warm clothes and food and a flask of tea. I could not eat anything, but the tea was delicious. Now that he was here, I wanted nothing in the world but to go to sleep. The storm was still raging outside, and there was nothing to be done but stay there till morning. I slept fitfully as the pain kept waking me up. I lay drowsily watching Mr. Owen and the man. They had blown up the drying, dying ashes into the warm blaze and were sitting talking. You'll always be a hunted man, even if you do get away, I heard Mr. Owen say earnestly. Far better to get it over with. They're after you now, and if they catch you running away, they'll be hard on you. If you give yourself up, they'll be easier on you, and I'll stand by you and tell them what you did for our little girl. It won't be as it was before. I'll be waiting at the end of it with a job for you and a home for you to come home to. Get over, get it over, man, and start again. You're starving, aren't you? Have a sandwich. I drifted back into an uneasy sleep, and when I woke up again, a pale light was stealing into the wretched room. A rain had stopped. The rain had stopped, and the sky over the stone heaped was faintly golden. The man lay fast asleep on the floor in front of the fire, and Mr. Owen sat with his head in his hands, keeping watch over both of us. Hearing me stir, he rose stiffly to his feet and came over to me. He looked worn out with sleeplessness and anxiety. He had more hot tea ready and fed me like a baby. Examining, examining my leg very gently, he said, we'll have to get a hold of a stretcher and an ambulance, Elaine. I think your leg is broken. I shut my eyes. I can't remember clearly what happened after that, but after a time, I realized that Mrs. Owen was sitting beside me and Mr. Owen had gone. Then there, were, there seemed to be a great many people in the ruin, and I felt a sharp stab of pain as I lifted onto the stretcher, and after that I knew I was being carried downhill, for it bumped it and jolted, and I felt the sunshine on my face. And then we were going somewhere in a car, but I was too tired to ask where. I was conscious of being carried indoors and seeing nurses gathered around me, and I kept putting out my hand to make sure Mrs. Owen was still there. And she always was, and I wondered what the family was doing without her. And then I felt a prick in my arm and nothing more for a long time. I was very, very ill, so I learned later and nearly died. Not only was my leg badly broken, but the long hours spent running in wet clothes and the cold and the fall and the fright had been all too much for me. Whenever I woke, 
either Mr. or Mrs. Owen was there beside me. And once I woke from a bad dream, I found Janet beside me, her face pale and tear-stained. Janet, I asked, suddenly clear and sensible, why are you crying? Am I going to die? Poor Janet, she never knew how to pretend or how to say anything that wasn't the exact truth, so she answered my question simply, I don't know, Elaine, they say you might, but you needn't be frightened, you'll go straight to Jesus. I'm not afraid, I answered, struggling for breath to explain. Fullness of joy. And then the mist closed in around me again, and I fell asleep. Then suddenly all the faces disappeared, and there was just one that was there all the time, my mother's face. At first I hardly recognized it, for there was no longer pretty, carefully made up. It was a pale frantic with great dark circles under the eyes. And when I cried out in my dream, she could clutch hold of me, and I felt her fear almost as strong as mine. Somehow we both seemed lost in the mist together. So night followed day and day followed night. I dreamed and cried and woke and dreamed again. And then suddenly I woke up properly and I knew I was not dreaming any longer. It was very early morning for the windows were gray and I raised myself on my elbow and called the nurse who came over to my bed at once. Where's my auntie? I asked her. Surely they hadn't all gone and left me. Your mother's here, sleeping in the side ward, said the nurse kindly. I'll get her at once. Mummy was at my side in a few moments in her nightclothes. She looked old and tired and dreadfully frightened, and I had a strange feeling it was me who should be helping her. Hello, Mummy, I said calmly. I'm better. Did you, did you come because I was ill? Oh, Elaine, cried my mother, putting her arms around me and bursting into tears. Are you really better? I thought I was going to lose you, and I was so dreadfully frightened. I wasn't uh, afraid, I answered. I had been gone. To, I would have gone to be with Jesus, but now I'm going to get better instead. Please give me a drink, Mummy. I'm really thirsty. The nurse arrived with a tray of tea and biscuits for my mother, and she took my temperature and seemed delighted. My mother fed me, and I found I was hungry and ate two biscuits. Then... Tired but still feeling cool and at peace, I lay holding her hand as the sweet summer dawn came creeping in through the windows and the birds began to sing in the hospital garden. Well, tomorrow, next time we'll read chapter 21, A Path That Leads Home. I love you, I'm praying for you, and we'll see you later. Bye-bye.